0: Welcome to the Circular Economy Podcast, where we find out how circular approaches make a better business and a better world. I'm Catherine Wheatman of Rethink Global, and I'll be chatting to those people making the circular economy happen, rethinking how we design, make and use everything. We'll talk to entrepreneurs and business owners, social enterprises and leading thinkers. We'll find out how circular principles can create value increase resilience and reduce risk to make a competitive, sustainable organisation. You'll find the show notes and links at www.circulareconomypodcast.com where you can subscribe to updates and useful resources. I'm recording this on Tuesday the 16th of October after a long day yesterday supporting an event for the RSA, aiming to get 16 and 17-year-olds engaged in deliberative democracy. I gave a talk on sustainability and the circular economy, aiming to spark ideas for ways we can all raise awareness, advocate for and take action, be the change we want to see. In today's episode, we're talking to Beth Massa, founder of Ozarka. Beth and her husband, Michael, have created a collection of food-to-go containers called Arc Reusables, so people can replace single-use plastics with reusable, returnable containers. Before launching Ozarka, Beth and Michael had successful careers in intellectual property law for Michael and project ownership at Microsoft and Amazon.com for Beth. And now they're focusing full-time on bringing an end to single-use plastic pollution. They're in the last couple of weeks of crowdfunding, and you can see pictures of the range of containers on their Kickstarter page. Search for ARK, that's spelt A-R-K, reusables on kickstarter.com. Beth, welcome to the Circular Economy podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And can we kick off by asking, what sparked the idea for ARK Reusables, and I should I should point out that there's an R in that with my Yorkshire flat vowel, so A R K reusables.
1: Yes, Ark reusables um, is an extension of the operations that we have currently running in Europe, which are B two B. We replace single use food containers with ours, which are reusable and returnable. So we thought it might be an interesting idea to create um, a new unique selection of to-go containers that are indeed specifically and exclusively designed for the takeout experience and bring that to the U.S. market. So we call it bringing waste relief for people who get takeout almost every day and that are feeling, you know, pardon the pun, but rather ill over the packaging waste that they are creating, we're saying here is a container that you can use, that you can keep with you, that's collapsible, that's lightweight, that you can offer to your favorite food vendor to have it filled and bring back to your office. And of course, at the same time, if that food vendor wants to carry those containers themselves, we'd be very happy to work with them as well. So it's just a way for us um, to bring our vision and our message to the U.S. market through a product.
0: Perhaps you can give us a bit of detail about the containers themselves.
1: Sure. they're um, Well, like I said, they, they're specifically designed for takeout. So a lot of times we get the question, well, how is this different than the containers that I already have at home? And we answer that question with another question. And that is, well, if those containers are so great, then do you take them out of your kitchen? How often do you take them to a takeout establishment? And the answer to that, of course, is almost never. And that's because they're bulky and they're sort of they're they're awkward to use because they don't collapse. So ours are 100% silicone; they collapse very thin. Um, they're also designed with uh, volumes that are standardized to portioning that food vendors are used to. Um, and they have tar weights on them and fill lines. So most food vendors are portioning by sight, so they can see very easily. Oh, okay, this is 350 milliliters, 500, etc. And we even have little. Um, collapsible sauce containers so those little round circular sauce containers also um, are now reusable so again they are very specifically designed for the takeout experience where you know the containers that we have now are really designed for at-home prep for lunch that you're making yourself at home and taking with you and our containers are actually designed for exactly the opposite of that
0: Mm. so when you say collapsible obviously people are listening and can't see a picture of it yeah. What does it look like when it's collapsed? It
1: looks like sort of a thick silicone envelope. So there is um, a ridge in the middle of these round circular containers that, where the dish collapses in on itself. Um and that's basically that's basically it. And I'd also like to say that we did we did design these things to look like dishes and not just some square container that you're eating out of. So we really tried to make the experience of using this not only sustainable but a very just a mindful moment where you do feel like you're eating off of a plate or a dish rather than a takeout box.
0: And you say they're made from silicon. Correct. And why did you choose silicon as a material? We think silicon is one of the most sustainable
1: materials on Earth. Um, It's basically made from the same components as glass. In fact, you can quite literally think of it as bendy glass. Um, One of the questions that we get asked a lot is, well, is silicone recyclable? And the answer to that is yes, but not easily. And the reason for that is because silicone just isn't as common a material as paper or plastic um, or aluminum, for example. So what we want to do is take this opportunity to switch the paradigm there and start asking a different question about food containers and not the question, is it recyclable? Because that's almost irrelevant because we know now that recycling isn't working. That's That's why we went into this business. The question we need to ask is how reusable is this container? How durable is this container? And the answer with silicone is very so our containers can be used hundreds and hundreds of times over many years they won't fade they won't warp they're safe to put in the oven and the freezer and the dishwasher and the microwave um and at end of life Silicone can be recycled. And here's another key important thing that we as the producer of this product take full responsibility for that product end of life. And we are already now establishing systems so that we
0: can reclaim and recycle that material ourselves. Wow, that's great. And I guess because it, um, you know, collapses and packs flat and is pretty lightweight, it would be fairly cheap for people to get those end of life containers back to you. Um, you know for sure and we're already working with um,
1: a couple of different um, um, recycling programs so that we can you know put drop boxes in major metropolitan areas where our packaging is heavily in circulation or they can mail them back to us but again we've got quite a long time to figure that out because these things do last for such a long time
0: and when I was looking at the crowdfunding site I noticed there was some Um, kind of multifunctional aspects to the containers with dividers and things like that maybe you could tell us a bit about the you know the different designs that you've got and and so on
1: sure so we um, again what we tried to do is really replicate the experience for lunch or if somebody's maybe stopping by a salad bar on their way home for dinner and so we have collapsible little collapsible containers that are great for sauces and dips and dressings. And then we have containers for side dishes and salads and soups. And then the larger ones um, that have a divider, actually the divider only comes with the the largest container, which is a thousand milliliters, but you can divide it either into 500 and 500 um, or 750 and 250, which is you know a main and a side. So people have a choice then that they you know, again, working with the vendor to be able to very easily correctly portion things out um, in a variety of different ways.
0: Yeah, that sounds excellent. Sounds like you have put really loads of thought into the designs and, you know, making it really work for people.
1: I designed these packages for myself because I love takeout and I, and I hate the experience of the waste. And so using my own experience as you know, a pretty typical example of my own customer, we really did try to think through every single scenario where somebody would always be prepared, um, working with a vendor to get these things filled with the food that they love.
0: Mm, great stuff. So what kind of challenges did you face in turning, going from the idea to uh, the business?
1: one thing that i will say and this this kind of goes back to the business overall when we first started this i this whole entire concept it started out as a giant grocery store with um with all the packaging being reusable so that customers could walk in empty-handed you know check out the packaging fill it with their food and then make a very easy way to bring it back and then i realized that there was a quite a large barrier to entry there. And I had to make a switch in my heart, as well as my head to say, you know what, the people that we're competing against on the platform of sustainability, we need to make a switch here. These people are not, these businesses are not our competitors, they're our customers. And as soon as we made that switch, the scalability and the potential for the project got much, much bigger. And, um, and so arc reusables, you know, comes from that point of view, we could have started our own food court that was all sustainable, but we're like, No, 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 we need to work with people not compete with people they're, they're trying to they, they're just as helpless to go sustainable as we are. So let's all work. And that's another theme with arc reusables. That's, we're all in this together. So how can we play a part to help as many people who want to go sustainable and want to go circular achieve that goal?
0: Right. So, what did that then lead to? You know, how did you then move forward from that position?
1: That led us from the original concept of being B2C, business to consumer, to being E2B, business to business. And so, again, operationally in Europe, we work with trade tours and restaurants and caterers, swapping out single use containers for ours. And again, in the US, we want to do exactly the same. And this Kickstarter is the introduction into our Mm -hmm. vision.
0: Right, and in the so in the United States, um, are you going to be doing both business to business and business to consumer, or because um, the crowdfunding seemed to be aimed, you know, from from what I saw, it seemed to be aimed at people wanting to buy containers for their own use.
1: Yes, that, that is the, I also should I also should mention that the UK is also a key market of ours as well, um, especially since, for example, in London alone, 11 billion single-use containers go into the environment every year. So our, our UK customers, we'd love to work with you as well. Yes, and that is actually the risk that we took. So the messaging on the crowdfund is definitely consumer-focused. It, again, we're looking for early adopters who are saying, I maybe not every food vendor is ready to accept reusables, but for those who are, they're getting my business because this is really important to me. So it's an opportunity not only to alleviate, um, you know, the, 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 waste that we're all creating, but for people to publicly make a stand and say, I carry these containers because I stand for this. Mm. But again, we're on the vendor side too, very, very much. So we would, this is our entry point to, well, Catherine, you know, really our goal is being achieved with with the crowdfund for us having the opportunity to talk about these issues with you to bring these issues to the surface to take them head on and say hey vendors you know what your customers are ready for this government policies are changing to be in your favor toward reusables
0: and we're ready right now to help you get there Mm. so so it's both (laughs) yeah that sounds that sounds interesting in terms of you know, trying to address both markets and using switched on consumers as the flag wavers, if you like, to kind of say, you know, hey, the, this is a solution. Why aren't, why aren't you using it, Mr. Restaurant? Exactly.
1: And one of those reasons, by the way, are food hygiene concerns, which, of course, we take very seriously. And that's another issue that we wanted this, ki- this Kickstarter to bring to the surface. Going forward, <clears throat> what do we prioritize? Perceived Food hygiene risks versus very real environmental de- degradation realities, and so again, being on the vendor side, we worked with one of the U.S.'s top food restaurant, uh, food and restaurant consultants based in San Francisco, to write the uh, hygiene guidelines. So any vendor who's like, "I want to do this, but I'm not sure," we can say, "Here are the, you know, the FDA, or we, you know, in the U.S., it's called HACCP." Um, food guidelines for you to follow. So you can feel very confident that you are um, following the proper food hygiene guidelines when accepting reusables or offering them yourselves.
0: Mm. So if I'm a takeaway deli or or, um, hot food, uh, takeout restaurant, and I'm using the containers and giving them to my customers, how do they get back to me once they've been used? There's a couple different ways that you
1: can achieve this, <clears throat> and they range in complexity and sort of technological sophistication. So in our world, we have everything from an app that tracks this, and this works very well in, let's say, large office cafeterias or restaurants where the packaging probably isn't going to leave the building, um, versus takeout or you know even delivery where we have to track this when it leaves the building and goes into a customer's home. And again, um, the reverse vending or the deposit system there is very key. And one of the reasons is that that container needs to, the the end customer needs to feel the value of that container and they feel the value by putting a deposit down on it. and there's another component to that, which is behavioral design. So let's say a customer has maybe three or four or five or 10 of these things at home right now. When they return them and get the refund back, that kind of feels like free money. So there's sort of um, a reward mechanism in place there, too, where the exchange of money for the checking in and out of this, uh, these, these containers is actually an enjoyable experience. And then again, through this method, we have triangulated the responsibility among the food producer and the packaging producer, which is us, and the end consumer, where now it's linear and all the burden of responsibility is just on the end consumer, which we find unfair and undemocratic, so we're out there to change that.
0: Yeah, it sounds... um, It'd be really interesting to see how it it starts to play out, and I guess it's going to be different in different markets, where, you know, in some... I'm thinking maybe Switzerland, where lots of things are highly regulated and people... Mm follow rules um, then it might work better than in some cultures where things are a bit more laissez-faire and relaxed and you know it might Mm -hmm. take six months to get the containers back when when somebody feels that oh hang on this cupboard's overflowing now with uh, silicon containers I better take them back.
1: One of the things that surprised us isn't necessarily the regulations the, the type of containers. So because we're packaging as a service, we use all different types of containers made of all different types of materials as long as those materials meet our sustainability and functional requirements. So we found, for example, with the glass, um, it almost never comes back. With the silicone, it comes back very often. And um, we're just taking in that data right now. We'll do deeper research to find out why. Um, what's interesting from us from a business model perspective is if if customers choose to keep the containers, um, we charge them more for the deposit than we pay wholesale. So we, mm. we sort of passively sold it to them. Of course, they mm. can always bring it back whenever they want. Um, but it seems to be the rate of return is dependent on what the container is made out of. And we're trying to figure out why.
0: Mm. We so, have some ideas. So but- just so I understand that properly, you're saying for the glass containers that you use, they're less likely to come back than the silicon ones? Correct. Right, okay. And I guess that could be two things, couldn't it? I guess that could be kind of people thinking um, it's easier just to put it in the glass recycling and I'll forego the deposit return. Or they might be thinking this is a really nice bit of kit i'll reuse it for something myself
1: i think it's definitely the second one um the glass that we're using right now is extremely high quality and i think they're used to it so it's it's probably similar to something they already have at home and and also because glass is a little bit heavier and because it doesn't collapse it's probably just as easy for them to keep it at home um as is it you know then than to bring it back and Mm um and also the deposit that they're paying on it is, is much cheaper than what they would have to pay for those containers retail. Now, of course, that's not our model. We're a circular model. So we do want customers to bring them back. But this is all part of our testing and validation journey. And um, and so this is an interesting learning point for us. And like I said, we're going to be investigating further, um, you know, how to correct
0: that. Mm. But
1: for now, it's fine. So
0: good. And, and what kind of feedback have you had from the business outlets? You know, what what? Uh, issues or or benefits are they seeing? So, the benefits that they're seeing
1: are personal and emotional, and and it gives us probably like we feel a lot of joy in this journey, and this is this is really one of the highlights for us. Um, one of our customers in particular uh, has a very heavy social media strategy, and every time they post. Um, something on Facebook or Instagram, a message about their reusables, they get the highest level of engagement by multiple factors over any other type of post that they create. And the reaction that they're getting from their customers are, are of gratitude. Thank you. Wow. Amazing. And most critically, next time I want to get fill in the blank Mexican poke bowl, whatever, I'm going to choose for you guys over someone else because of the, reusable, the sustainability factor, the reusable option. So we're actually creating a unique selling point for our clients through this reusable offering. And that's so wonderful. You know, we love to see that. And, um, the, the level of enthusiasm has actually pleasantly surprised us, um, Even in the catering events that we do, we have a series of reusable uh, containers that we use for catering. That's a great way for us to get out in front of the customers and talk to them about the message. And a couple of weeks ago, right at the beginning of the Kickstarter campaign, everyone was sort of enjoying their lunch. And I said, hey, we're running a a Kickstarter. Do you mind if I show it to you? And the crowd was gasping and cheering and applauding. I I was, I was so, it was quite embarrassing for me actually to stand up there and, and um, receive these accolades. You know, it was, again, it's just constantly surprising us and proving to us that the market is so ready for this, but we have to make it easy for people. Um, It's not going to work if we expect everyone in the whole world to be like, you know, all of my waste from the last five years is in this baby food jar. Like that's not our mission and that's not our message. And I think people are just responding to the fact that yes, you can live a convenient life with a minor shift that can become sustainable. And we're here to help you do it.
0: Yeah. And I think you're right. It is a minor shift and it is just changing habits. And there's that adage of, you know, whatever it is, 50 times before you've uh, anchored a new habit. Yeah. But in the UK when um a year or so ago um a tax was introduced on plastic carrier bags for large large stores smaller stores didn't have to. But within a couple of weeks what was normal behavior had completely transformed. Um mm. and yeah it would still take you you know there would still be occasions when you got to the store and realized that you'd left the bag in the back of the car or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, until you kind of nail this nail this habit. But it is just about habits, isn't it? And you kind of, you know, you're thinking to start with, you think, Oh, this is gonna be a bit of a pain in the backside that I've got to remember a bag. And then before long, you've just got, you know, bags in bags in your car, a folded up bag in your office bag or whatever, uh, and it just becomes part of normal life. We did
1: in our initial research um a lot of surveys, and one of the surveys was do you agree with the ban or the ban on plastic bags or you know, paying for b- plastic bags? 100% of people said yes. The next question we asked was, do you still have too many plastic carrier bags at home? 100% of the people said yes. And the reason for that is exactly what you described, that there's still, most people are running to the store right after work, and they're forgetting to bring the bags because changing human behavior is in our model and most models, the hardest thing to do. So what we would love for these uh, grocery stores to do, and what we already do already is even put a deposit on the carrier bags. Why does a customer have to own the bags too? Why not rent those as well? That way anybody can walk into a store at any time and everybody's covered. So we think that the grocery stores can even take a step further in claiming responsibility for that, um, that scenario, as well, but you know again, like putting the fee on the bag is a great first step,
0: yeah, or even just doing a one for one swap we there you go, yeah, we buy our um pet food from the uh the butcher's counter local store, you know because it 's kind of off cuts of of uh, raw meat and things like that, so every week we take last week's washed out Tupperware containers and one of the supermarkets Hessian bags and we so we do a swap of empty containers and empty bag for you know filled containers and last week's bag um and you know and and when we first suggested that to the guys on the butcher's counter i was kind of thinking they're not going to be too too happy about suggesting this to reduce you know all these plastic bags that were going in the bin and uh they were really enthusiastic about it um and a couple of weeks later when i went in they were saying you know have you found your containers yet you know when when can we start doing it so it was great that you know i was thinking that they they were just as keen on the idea as i was it wasn't just me trying to make them do more sustainable things
1: yeah hey, put them in touch with us we've got some great containers for them to offer you and their
0: other customers yeah. and there's those other um you know the the next thing i was thinking about was uh we buy um, olives from the same store every week. Um, you know, we've got a bit of an <laughs> olive consumption habit going on. But they always come in these, you know, self-serve containers. Um, and uh, that just ends up being being wasted. I was thinking, I'm sure if I took in an appropriate size container, they'd be happy to um, let us refill those every week. So I'll try that. Yeah,
1: or if they were let you take out a container that you could put a deposit on. So yeah. that that's our that's our vision and that's where we're headed. Yeah. Again, put us in touch with the Olive guys too. We can help them help you.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll do. So you're offering you you're offering the containers in the UK whereabouts in Europe? Uh, as well,
1: um, actually, shipping is available worldwide. Um, unfortunately, with crowdfunds, funds, uh, shipping gets very, very expensive worldwide. But it's quite affordable um, throughout Europe, the UK, and the US, which is right now the main target for this campaign.
0: Okay, so if people are interested, uh, and we'll give the links in a minute. Um, but if people are interested, they could go to the crowdfunder and just buy the containers and uh, and so on from there
1: yes they, they could put their their pledge in, and then once we hit our goal, then the containers um, get mailed to our backers.
0: okay, sounds good, so we'll we'll give those links in a minute. So Beth, thinking about other people wanting to create circular economy innovations and new businesses and so on, what's the one piece of advice you'd give to somebody uh, starting out on circular economy business?
1: I think it's the same advice I'd give to anybody starting any small business. And that is, and that's something that I had to learn that was a hard lesson for me too, by the way, is start small. Because if you start small, you can start fast. That doesn't mean that your ambition has to be small. It means that you can start quicker. And the second piece of that is know your audience. So, you know, get started quickly, but if you're gonna take some time, take some time to really understand what your audience wants and how you can be of service to them and then execute really, really well. So again, if you start small, then you can do that one specialized thing perfectly and grow from there.
0: Um, That's my advice. I think the start small, so you can start fast. That's a really good one. And and, uh, the other thing
1: too with this, and this goes back to us talking about human behavior. If you've done all of that really well, and and the outcome falls short of your expectations, Again, this is a bit of a business cliche these days, but you did not fail, you learned. Um, Changing human behavior is difficult. So don't give up, pivot, figure out what you need to fix and then go fix it, just keep
0: going. Excellent, so lots for budding entrepreneurs to take on board there. And if people want to find out more about Arc Reusables and Azarka and you Beth, how do they find you (laughs) online? Uh,
1: the quickest thing to do, I guess, without seeing the URL is go to arcreusables.com. They can find a link link to uh, the crowdfund there. Our main umbrella company is ozarka.club. Um, and you can find more information there about our overall um, operations as well as the crowdfund. And my name is Beth Massa, and I can be um, found, you can contact me at Beth, B-E-T-H, at ozarka.biz, B-I-Z,
0: excellent and we'll put all those links in the show notes and i Perfect. wish you wish you all the best of luck with the crowdfunder i shall go online this week and make sure i i choose a, a package to start trying i think they, the designs look really really good so yeah i'm excited to see what they uh what they you know feel like in 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 use and uh i shall go and talk to our olive supplier about <laughs> reusables and deposits as well So, yeah, look look forward to seeing you go from strength to strength. Thanks, Beth. Thanks, Catherine. It was great talking to you. And thank you for letting us share our story. If you'd like to learn more about the circular economy, why not go back and listen to episode one? Head over to rethinkglobal.info or buy my book, A Circular Economy Handbook for Business and Supply Chains, which takes you through the practicalities, including lots of real examples from around the world. You can get in touch via the website, rethinkglobal.info or send us a tweet at rethink underscore global. Please let us know what you think of the podcast and you can help other people find it by reviewing us on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. See you next time.